welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 245 a giant New York turkey. And I am your host and the guy who has a black and blue foot. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But today we are 254 days, 11 hours, 19 minutes, and zero seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. This past weekend, my buddy Todd and I went to my property south of Birmingham to do a little fishing and do a little farming. And since the weather in Alabama is July hot, we of course decided to fish early and do some farming afterwards. Now before we could do the farming, we actually had to work on the tractor. Well, not really the tractor, but we had to work on the disc attached to the tractor because the bolts in the brackets that hold the axle on the frame of the disc had sheared off on both sides of the axle. So we had to replace those. And Todd and I were kind of struggling a little bit with the axle to get the brackets lined back up on the frame of the disc so that we could put the new bolts into the brackets and get it fastened back onto the frame like it needed to be. Well, in our struggles to get everything lined up properly, the bracket that runs from the axle itself all the way up to the frame of the disc slipped out of Todd's hand, and I already told you my foot's black and blue. I did not have on shoes. I had on sandals because we had just finished fishing, and the bracket landed quite nicely on my right foot. Other than the initial pain of what's probably a 30-pound piece of steel with Luckily, not a sharp edge on it falling on your foot. I'm fine. A few scrapes. At the time, after walking it off for about five minutes, I didn't feel like anything in my foot was broken. Still don't feel like anything in my foot is broken, but it is still swollen up. Oh, three, four days after it happened. So it will heal. I will live and all is well. And I just hinted around at it. I got the outboard motor running on my boat. So after thinking about the problems that I was running across with the motor, I got to really thinking that I needed to adjust the idle on the boat. And so I adjusted the idle and adjusted the fuel flow going into the carburetor. And I am happy to say that I am back 
in business on the lake catching fish with an outboard motor that's running for the first time in two years. So that's good news as well. And although after dropping the bracket from the axle of the disc onto my foot, my disc repairing time ended at that point in time, I might have been a little bit ticked off. And I jumped on the tractor and disced the field with only one axle on the front of the disc and the two axles on the back of the disc. was able to get the field disced up well enough before the storm with 30 to 35 mile an hour winds came through. I was able to get the field disced up well enough and get some chufa out in the field and get it covered. So hopefully the turkeys and the coons and the crows and the deer are not eating me out of house and home in my chufa patch again. We're expecting a fair amount of rain between now and the weekend. And so my thought is those chufas are going to get watered in pretty well. And I should have chufa here in about a week to 10 days. So I've got my fingers crossed. Hopefully it works out. Today I have another hunt to play for you guys. Today's hunt is of my second kill in New York from my trip to New England in late May of this year. I'm going to try to quickly lay out the land that we're hunting and the scenario up to the point of our first clip and we're going to jump into this hunt right now. You know, in reliving the hunt in my head after it happened and still actually up to a day or two ago, I thought that this hunt played out a lot longer than it really did. Now, some of the reason that I think that is because the hunt was longer than what I actually recorded, which I'll explain a little bit more here in just a second. So here we go. So this hunt happened on Tuesday. And Tuesday morning, we'd ridden around and checked several different farms for turkeys. And although we'd seen a few turkeys, they were really not in areas where we could get to them easily at all, or even get to them successfully at all. For example, we saw one group of turkeys with, I think it had two strutters in it, and they were in the middle of what's probably a 200 acre ag field. And when I tell you they're in the middle of it, they are in the middle of it. And there's no way to use the terrain or anything to get to them. And when I asked the guide about possibly fanning those turkeys, he said to me that they had tried it before and that it didn't work with those turkeys, that they could never get in range, that the hens would push away and the toms would follow the hens and would not care about coming after the quote-unquote turkey that was in their territory. So while driving around, we went to go check on a piece of property that our guide owns. And he had actually spotted some turkeys in a field on that piece of property the day before. But because I ended up killing when I killed, and Chip had already killed right off the roost, there was no need to worry with those turkeys the day before, but they were on the radar screen for Tuesday morning. And when we drove by the field, there was a strutter with a few jakes and a few hens in one of the fields on that piece of property. Now we're on the county road glassing this field that's about 250 yards off of the road. So the road sits up a little bit, there's a little drop in elevation coming off of the road, and then the land starts to rise back up to 
probably a 200-foot elevation change from the lowest point right off of the road. And this field lays on the side of this hill. And so we could glass from the road into the field, and we saw the turkeys there. Well, our guide had hunted this property for years, knew it very well, and said, I know how we can get in there to kill these turkeys. Let's go. So we drove down the county highway probably a half mile, and we went through the gate into the property, and now is probably the time when I need to lay the property out for you. I'm not exactly sure how big this piece of property is, and it doesn't really matter because it's bigger than the fields that we were on. And since we only hunted the fields, that's really all that matters. Now, what I do need to tell you is that this piece of property is probably wider east to west than it is longer north to south. So where we're coming into the property is actually in the northeast corner of the property. And as soon as you come through the gate, there is a pretty big hayfield right there. It's about a 40-acre hayfield, pretty good size. The hayfield's not perfectly rectangular, which Again, doesn't matter, but the road that goes into the hayfield off of the paved county road runs along the north end of the field. Remember, we're coming in on the northeast corner of the property, so we're not really driving across the field. We're driving along the woods line on the north side of the field. And now that 40-acre hayfield, again, just like the property itself, is wider east to west than it is long north to south. So we parked probably halfway down the woods line in that 40-acre hayfield. To the west of the 40-acre hayfield is a small block of woods that is between the big hayfield and a smaller hayfield. Now the smaller hayfield's probably six acres in size, and this block of woods is about 125 yards wide. So again, running east to west, we come in the gate on the northeast corner of the property. We drive west along the north woods line of the big hayfield, park there, get our gear. We walk to the west towards the six-acre hayfield, which is the field that the turkeys are in. And we come to that little block of woods that's the divider between those two hayfields, the big one and the small one. And we get there and the guide says, we're going to walk down to the end of this little block of woods here. And I want you and Chip to get into that block of woods, but where you can see the field. I'm going to put decoys out where this road that we're walking on that runs between the 40-acre field and the 6-acre field runs into the 6-acre field, I'm going to put decoys right there at the entrance of the road into the hayfield. After I do that, I'm going to step back down the road towards the big 40-acre hayfield, get into the woods, and call. Now, this 6-acre hayfield that these turkeys are in is almost rectangular, but in the middle of the hayfield, Running north to south, there's a little neck of woods that juts about 100 yards into the hayfield from the south to the north. But that neck of woods doesn't divide the field completely. That neck of woods, like I said, is about 100 yards in length. The hayfield is probably 150 yards north to south. So there's about a little 50-yard stretch of hayfield between the north end of that neck of woods and the tree line on the north end of the field. And the guide says, 
He has called the turkeys from the southwest corner of the field, which is on the other side of that little neck of woods that juts out into the field 100 yards from where we are. But he has called turkeys from that southwest corner of that hayfield all the way to the northeast corner of the hayfield, which is the section of the field that we've walked into. So that's what we do. So you've got kind of an idea of the layout of this field. It's not a very big field. Chip and I are in the woods just off the northeast corner of that field. The turkeys are down in the southwest corner of that field. And our guide puts the decoys out just into the edge of the field because that little neck of woods really is kind of shielding him and his movement to be able to get out and put those decoys up without being seen. Once the decoys are out, he drops back, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 yards behind me and Chip, and he starts calling. Well, we hear some gobbling in the southwest corner of the field. And of course, we assume it's the turkeys that were there. So this is a good sign. We're feeling positive about it. But it sounds like Jake gobbles to us. After about three or four minutes of calling, the Jake gobbles get closer. And then we hear what's obviously not a Jake gobble in the southwest corner of the field. So I was thinking at that point in time, this is great. Here comes the Jakes. And the Tom is still back in the southwest corner of the field with all the hens strutting and showing off for them. But we're going to have Jakes to contend with and hopefully not get busted by. But the Jakes, even though they started our direction, they never came all the way in. The Jakes are gobbling. The Tom is gobbling. And the Jakes turn and they go back towards the Tom. And they don't continue in our direction anymore. Now, we stayed where we were, and our guide continued to call for about 10 or 15 minutes, but it was beginning to get very obvious that the turkeys were not going to come our direction. They were happy on the hill in that southwest corner of the field, so we knew we had to reposition. So Chip and I got up and walked back to where our guide was, and it was at that point in time we said, look, turkeys are up there. The tom is not coming any closer. Is there any way that we can stay in the woods, go up the hill, which really would be headed south from where we were, get around to that southwest corner of the field, stay just inside the woods line from the field, and call and see if maybe we can just call that tom up to the very southwest edge of that field so that we can get a shot? And he said, I know exactly what to do. Come on, follow me. So that's exactly what we did. We walked south from where we were, keeping, I'd say, 50, 60 yards off of the edge of the field. We went around the southeast corner of the field. We walked past that little neck of woods that jutted out into the field 100 yards. We got pretty close to the southwest corner of that field. And the guide says, okay, you and Chip find a spot to sit here somewhere in this general area, and I'm going to drop back about 50 or 60 yards and float call, and we'll just see if maybe we can get him up into the woods. Well, at that point in time, I actually thought we were a little closer to the edge of the field than we were. So the guide leaves me and Chip and starts to walk south of us so that Chip and I are between the field and him calling, and Chip and I found two trees to sit against. They were probably, I'd say six, maybe eight yards apart, a little bit further apart than I wanted to be, to be able to communicate with him. And remember, Chip doesn't hear very well. 
I really don't hear well, but Chip really can't hear well, like to the point where he really needs hearing aids full time, and I'm not quite at that point yet. Nonetheless, Chip sits down against a tree, I find my tree to sit against, and I really kind of sat to where I would be able to cover some ground that Chip would not be able to cover. That's what we should do. But I sat down there and faced that direction with the intention in my head of Chip is shooting first again. Remember, at this point, Chip has killed one turkey this season, and I've killed four or five turkeys. We've both already gotten our New York turkey, but I still want Chip to go ahead and shoot first that day on that hunt. So after I sit down, the guide drifts back. He's probably 50 yards behind us, and he starts calling. And he gets a response from the Tom, which is great news because that tells me most likely we have not spooked that Tom as we circled the field and repositioned. So I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I have a thought. My thought is, hey, you might want to turn the recorder on. So I did. And I'm going to play the first clip for you that is about a minute and 14 seconds into the recorded portion of our hunt. We got a turkey goblin down in this field. We're up in the woods, up above him. Our God has moved. Has moved back behind us. And is calling. He's probably 40 or 50 yards behind us. Calling. We're trying to see if we can get this copper out of the field and into the woods. It's just got to come 10 yards or so into the woods. And neither Chip or I should be able to get a shot at him. After we sat down and I had a couple of minutes to kind of take in everything around me, that's when I figured out that we were not as close to the field as I had hoped that we would get. But we were sitting there, the guide was behind us calling, The turkey had answered, and at that point, I didn't see a need to get up and reposition to get any closer to the edge of the field. My thought process was, okay, let's sit here and see what happens. We can always reposition if we need to in a few minutes, but right now, let's just see how things play out. So I'm going to fast forward now about three minutes and 34 seconds into the hunt from our past clip. Oh, there's a hand. 
interested. Yep. So here we are about, I don't know, maybe eight, ten minutes sitting in what is our second setup spot. And two hens come into the woods from the direction of the field, get probably 40 yards away from me and chip, stop. And of course, you know, they always look like they're looking directly at you. And of course, we don't really have any idea what direction they're looking in because their eyes are on the side of their head and it's just a straight up guess. But it's obvious that at least one of these two hens sees something, does not like it, comes to complete attention, turns around and runs back towards the field where the tom is. And at that point in time, I'm thinking this is a bad thing because they're probably going to continue to run and they may not stop until they get to the Canadian border. And they may have. I don't know. But what I do know that didn't happen is I know that the tom did not leave the field. So I'm going to fast forward about a minute and 45 seconds from the end of our last clip. Now I want to fast forward about 2 minutes and 37 seconds from the end of our last clip. So I played those last two very short clips of audio for you because that's pretty much what happened from the time that we got busted by the hen about, I don't know, six minutes or so, seven minutes or so into the audio of this hunt up until I start the next clip for you here in just a few seconds. But there was a lot of hen calling and a lot of Jake calling coming from the south of me from the guide. Now, he was doing more calling than I would do, but I've learned a lot of things on these out-of-state trips. One of the things that I've learned is how turkeys in other states outside of Alabama and outside of Mississippi, states that don't have extremely long 
turkey hunting seasons with unusually high bag limits, whose turkeys are not as pressured, those turkeys are much more callable than turkeys in the States that do get a lot of pressure. So for you guys in the Midwest, the Northeast, and even the western parts of the country who are trying to get your super slam, when you come to the southeast, I highly recommend cutting back on the amount of calling that you do. I'm not going to say that every turkey in Alabama would run from the amount of calling that our guide was doing, but I'm just going to throw my guesstimate of 97% of them would run the other direction from all the calling that our guide was doing. So keep that in mind as you're traveling around and hunting different parts of the country. It's always best to start with a little bit of calling. Then you can work your way up. If you kind of get the impression that, hey, these turkeys are pretty callable, you can call a little bit more. This is our second day to hunt in New York. I played my first kill for you guys, I don't know, three weeks ago or so, and our guide did a lot of calling on that hunt as well. Even if I was doing the calling on our second day of hunting with him, I still would not call as much as he is calling because it's just not my hunting style. But it works. It worked the day before, and it worked countless numbers of days before for this guide. So call away, guide. Now I'm going to take us about, now I'm going to take you about five minutes and 45 seconds past our last audio clip because I don't want to make you guys suffer through listening to all, all of that Hen and Jake calling. when you see him. So I can't remember exactly what it was that Chip asked me after that turkey gobbled so close to us, but I'm going to guess, judging by my answer, that he asked if I could see him. And at that very second, I could not see him, but I see him now. shot him in the body. So right now you got to be asking yourself two questions because I would be if I were you. Number one, Andy, you said you wanted Chip to shoot on this hunt. Why did you shoot this turkey? Number two, why would you shoot this turkey in the body? Well, those are two very good questions. And listen in, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the reason here in just a minute.
Did you not see him? I did right there. I, I was watching you. Did you hear me talking to you? Yes. And I watched you move your gun there. And you did a left over there. He was. He was not made up to be in full strength. His hands were still down. Yeah! That's a big old pretty tail. He's big and pretty. That's a that's a 60 yard shot. You think so? Mm -hmm. But his head looked just like that. Like that was a Right here, I was up on that hill breaking branches. Yeah. Um, you were awesome. Did man. you hear you guys him coming? slipped way down in here, huh? No, we were, we were way up there. Are you kidding me? I think it's a 60 yard shot. Was he coming? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, he's in full strut. Was, did you hear him coming the whole time, or did you just hear him when he gobbled right there? I'm glad there in front you didn't miss. I heard him when he gobbled down in front of Is us that, that last Captain time. Hook or what? Have you looked? I don't know. I hadn't looked, looked at him. Dude, I'm telling. Good the, job, bro. You see where the you see where the middle tail feathers are? Have, I can't believe you shot that far. Tip black anymore. Yeah. That's, I can't believe you shot that show. far. Andy shot him. Um, but he, You're he, was, wild, dead. he was dead, but we had a hen. Did you see that hen come right up in front of us? She, she turned spoke? around and hauled. She, I don't know what she saw, but she did not like what she saw. And she turned around and hauled out, and I thought, she's going to take him off. Yeah. She must have. I don't know. How far was, was the shot? She was 60 coming. yards? I mean, it was, it was a long We'll step shot. it off. My stuff's still up there. Wow. Um, Where was he? He was standing right here. He was up tree. there by, no, he's up by the tree. next tree. Yeah. yeah. He flopped all the way that far. He did? Yeah. Mm -hmm. wow. I, I had the sights on him and I dropped the gun just a hair and shot. And I think I got a little bit more in the body than. Hey, I'd rather fucking he, kill him. He wasn't going anywhere. I knew wow. he was going to be dead. You hammered him. I mean, he had a clear, you had a clear shot. Though. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I had a bunch of brush. If he had come another ten steps, he'd have been thirty <laughs> yards in front of me. I can't believe it. I didn't know he was coming until that last gobble. I thought I he thought disappeared. He I thought he yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know if he was coming or not either. But I don't know either. That's fun. Good job. Yeah. Little ghost, little ghost, uh, ghost town. Yeah, that, that's that's, 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 shit those, works. that's a that's an Alabama hunt. On those, yeah, on those tough birds, you got to do that. You I'm just telling not you, there is a bird in here. I'm praying. He's got age on his fan. Holy shit! Hell. You got him! You got him! Congratulations! You got him! You got him! This is the this is the bird. I, this is the bird on the trail camera. Did you see the middle feather? Holy on the shit! How they're losing yep. the black tail. That's yeah. why he acted like this because he's four years old, man. Jeez! If he's inch and a half, he's gonna have to go to the tax. He's not an inch and a half, but I'll tell you right, right now, he's solid. Inch and three eighths. I'm not. I'm. I've been waiting all these years to kill an inch and a half eastern to get him mounted. Me too. He's huge, man. You know this was. This was one of my top birds on my list. You see his head right now? Yeah. That's as lit up as he got. Huh. He was dull looking. Well, dude, it's the weather, man. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Look at that. He's got it. He's got some hooks now. Those are, fucking, those are almost. Right? 
So you just heard a couple of things there. Number one, the reason that I shot and didn't give Chip the opportunity to shoot is I kind of felt like maybe something was wrong with our setup when that hen came in after I had the recording going for a few minutes and she just flat busted us. I don't know if she busted me. I was not moving. I don't know if she busted Chip. He may have been moving. He was behind me a little bit. And so from the angle that the hens came in, they probably came in at my 10 o'clock. And so I really couldn't see Chip. But I don't think Chip was moving. They could possibly have seen the guide 40 or 50 yards up the hill from us calling and walking around. And that could have been what they saw. So from the direction that that turkey gobbled the last time was more my 8 o'clock, which would have been Chip's probably 9 o'clock. And when he gobbled that last time, I already had my head turned in that direction. Since I'm a right-handed shooter, my gun barrel's kind of pointed in that general direction, maybe more 10 o'clock than 8 o'clock, but still it's in that general direction. But I cut my head that direction, cut my eyes that direction, and as you heard, not long after he gobbled close to us, I saw him. I can see Chip out of the corner of my eye. I can see Chip not moving when he sees this turkey. And based on what Chip had just asked me of, do you see that turkey? I felt like Chip couldn't see him. So when I saw him, I clicked the safety off. The turkey stepped behind a tree. I moved my gun over. I mean, this is like almost immediate. Within, I'm going to say a second, maybe two seconds, all of that happened. I see him. He steps behind a tree, safety off, gun pointed in that direction. And I wait for him to step out. And I wait and I wait. And as you heard, it was several seconds, but it felt like you know, two, I don't know, maybe two and a half hours. When he stepped out from behind the tree, I put the sight on the turkey's waddles and the turkey's walking. And I just didn't feel 100% confident with the shot. Did I know that the turkey was going to stop? No. Did I know that he was going to keep going? No. But what I did know is that by dropping my point of aim about two to three inches into the body, but still very much in the neck, I could take a shot and take that turkey down. And so I dropped the gun barrel just a little bit, sights on the turkey, squeezed the trigger, and there was quite a sizable hole in that turkey's neck, maybe two inches below the waddles, probably not even that far, where my shot took out a huge chunk out of that turkey. So as we're sitting there and kind of reliving the hunt, you heard Chip say that he may have had a shot in another 10 steps, but that's a big may. And when you're unsure about your setup and you get the opportunity to kill, you kill. Now, think back to my Alabama hunt back in the middle of turkey season in Alabama, back in the middle of April, when we had a turkey approach from the complete opposite direction from where we thought he was going to approach. And I was hunting with my buddy Joey and his buddy John. And I didn't shoot. And I didn't even try to shoot. I didn't even move my gun. And the reason I didn't do that is they're new turkey hunters. I wanted one of them to kill that turkey. If I'm hunting with Chip, even though he's only killed one turkey during turkey season, and I feel like he doesn't see the turkey, and I feel like he's not going to be able to move to get a shot at the turkey, I am not about to watch this Tom walk off. So maybe I shot the turkey out from underneath Chip, 
but Chip had not even moved his gun. And in fact, if you heard him say it, then you know that Chip still had not seen the turkey until I moved my gun in that direction. And he cut his eyes that direction. And that's when he saw the turkey for the first time. So turkey's down. We're standing there reliving the hunt. We have yet to flip him over to look at him. We move the fan out of the way and see that and see that this turkey's got some hooks on him. He's got some serious hooks on him. So all of these years that I've been turkey hunting, and I hunt primarily eastern wild turkeys, just like the majority of you guys that listen to the show, I have not killed with inch and a half spurs. I do not have an eastern wild turkey mounted, full body mount. In fact, I don't even have an eastern wild turkey fan anywhere on a wall in my house or in my office. Any of the fans that I get off of eastern wild turkeys usually go hunting with me and I use them as a decoy or I use them in fanning. The reason that I've been waiting to mount an eastern wild turkey is that I've wanted to kill one with inch and a half spurs and I have not done it. Still to this date have not done it. I have come close many times. I have killed probably six or eight easterns with inch and three eighths, inch and seven sixteenths spurs, but not true inch and a half. I have called in two eastern wild turkeys for two buddies that they killed with two inch spurs and one of those over two inch spurs actually, but I have never even killed a turkey with inch and a half spurs. So when we flipped this bird over and saw the spurs, I thought, all right, this might be the one that's going to the taxidermist. I won't be upset to get the turkey mounted. I just would prefer to shoot one in Alabama that I don't have to put in an airplane and fly back home to take to the taxidermist. But if he's inch and a half, he's going to the taxidermist. Our guide is pretty convinced he's not inch and a half, but he's close. And as you can tell, our guide is ecstatic at this point because I killed this turkey that has been on his hit list for the season. He's got trail camera pictures of this turkey and he had this turkey on his hit list and he took me and Chip in there knowing well and good that the turkey that we spotted in that field from the road could be the big turkey that he's got on his hit list. Now you're going to hear a little bit of guide's remorse. Listen in. That's that's going he's very close, I think. Man, they're beautiful spurs, too. Mm-hmm. This is definitely him. I can show you the fucking picture. That's a stud. That's I can a stud. show you the picture that I have on my Instagram page. In fact, I'm going to find it right now for you. No, no. Three birds I've killed, and I've thought it was him every time. What would? Why would he leave that field? Because the Jake yelled. That's why. And, and constant barrage of curiosity. Turkeys are curious, you know what I mean? He came up. Let me show That Jake yelp does a lot. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to look at his beard. That Jake yelp does a lot. He doesn't have much for a beard. He didn't. When you moved here, he is right here. Is that when you saw him? Yeah. So, so. He's got two beards. Are you serious? At least two. Oh my God. Wow. Dude, you may want to get this thing state certified. Wow, I would have mounted this thing. I can't believe I let you shoot this thing. <laughs> Took us into his Had I known it was a double beard, we wouldn't have been here. No offense. Okay, <laughs> look, look it. This is the trail cam picture I have. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's him. That's him. Right. 
And look at you can see the double beard. Yeah. If sure you look can. close. Oh uh, no, that's a that's a stick. My bad. You can't see the double beard. But I do have other pictures of him where he wasn't um he didn't have a really it didn't the beard didn't impress me. Wow. Let's don't booger him up. Let's get him in your vest. Oh, we gotta get pictures. I need to go back up here and get my stuff. You need a picture in the woods right here. Yeah. Double beard with a spur like this. You should you should do the justice and put this on the wall, I think. He might go on the wall. I, dude, it, uh, I've killed a lot. I've watched a lot of turkeys die, <coughs> and I've killed a lot of them. And this bird right here, I would gladly put on my wall. It's that's oh, a he's, solid. He's bird. no slouch. There's definitely no question about it. Is he heavy? Yeah. No, he's not. Oh yeah, I got him good in the body. Look at that. Yeah. Holy crap. No, he, he's not he's, real heavy. 19-ish. Yeah. Look at that freaking hole in him. Ooh, you got him, Scotty. You told me about it. Wow. We gotta find Thank you, man. Yeah, right on. That's uh you you guys know uh there's an extra hundred dollars per beard, right? <laughs> that, that's how it works. I think he was more over this way. <coughs> he was about right here. And you were on that pine? Yeah, I was on that big pine. <coughs> He's close. If he's not inch and a half, he's a thirty second of an inch under it. Awfully fun. Let's see if I can find my shell. And so there we have it. A double bearded, and I would say one beard's eight inches, the other one's eight and a half. I'm pretty sure we measured the beards, but I cannot remember what they are. But a double bearded, maybe 16 inches worth of beard with inch and three-eighths spurs. And and I'm pretty sure that now. I have in my freezer the eastern turkey that I'm going to get mounted. What are the odds that I'm going to kill 
a turkey with inch and a half spurs that has a double beard. I have killed several double bearded turkeys and multiple bearded turkeys over the years, but I've never killed one that has inch and three eighths or bigger spurs. And most of the multi-bearded turkeys that I've killed have had just, you know, a handful of strands of beard coming down. I killed a Merriam's in Wyoming that had either four or five beards. I can't remember. I'd have to go and look at him. But, you know, he has the primary beard, the longest one, and then there's another one just above it, and it's a little bit shorter than the primary, but it's very thin. And the next one is shorter, and it's a little bit thinner. And the next one is shorter, and it's a little bit thinner. And the next one's just a few strands, and it's shorter as well. But this turkey is double bearded, two thick beards, one above the other. And like I said, they're not very long beards, but they're long enough, and it makes him pretty impressive. And so that is turkey number two in New York for me. And we've got a guide who is now kind of kicking himself in the rear end because He's looked at a double-bearded eastern turkey that's come off a property that he owns, that he called in for a client, that he kind of feels like he may never have an opportunity to get another one of. But I kind of feel like if he keeps hunting, he'll end up killing a multi-bearded bird in that area. And I hope it has inch-and-a-half spurs for him. But he was full of God's remorse for much of the morning. Now, that's not to say he wasn't excited for me, and he wasn't happy that we got turkey number three because he was and he was still very interested and working very hard to get us turkey number four in New York before we left New York that afternoon and he did that with about I think it was 14 minutes to spare in legal hunting hours in New York he ended up helping Chip get Chip's second New York turkey and from there we went back to our house that we had rented on the lake, packed up our gear, ate lunch, took a quick nap, loaded the truck, and headed to Maine for what we knew was going to be a day of hunting. We just didn't know it was going to be that good of a day of hunting. So the next hunt that I have for you guys will be the hunt from our trip to Maine that was just me and Chip because John left the afternoon of our second day of hunting to travel to Colorado for a business meeting. So that left me and Chip Wednesday morning hunting in Maine. And we'll pick up there. I'm not sure that we're going to do that episode next week. We may, but I might have something different for you. So you'll just have to tune in and see. Okay, so my big takeaways from my hunts in New York are that I really need to be incorporating more Jake Yelps into my hunting setups and my calling scenarios. Ray I preaches on it all the time. In fact, Ray would probably tell you that he calls in more toms with Jake Yelps than he does with Hen Yelps. And I'm certainly not going to question Ray I when he says that he has success doing something. I did incorporate some Jake Yelping into some of my calling scenarios this past season. However, I did it very sparingly, and I may not have been patient enough while Jake Yelping. What I mean by that is I typically used Jake Yelps as kind of a last resort before I would back out of an area or before I would abandon a setup. So going forward next year, I'm going to incorporate a little bit more Jake Yelping into my calling scenarios. 
and hopefully bring in maybe another bird that I would not have otherwise brought into my calling. So that's all I've got for you guys today, but I would like to ask you for a favor. I know that's a big shocker. If you listen to this show every week, you know I typically ask for a favor every week, and I'm sure that the majority of you guys listening to the show do not do the favor that I ask of you every single week, and I'm cool with that. Hey, we've all got lives outside of listening to a turkey podcast, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to ask you for one this week. So if you would, use the share feature in your podcast player application, whether that's Podbean for the premium content or even the free content, or you use iTunes for the free content only, whatever it happens to be. But if you would, go to the share feature and share this week's episode of the show on your social media pages. You can do that with the share feature in your podcast player application by sharing it to Facebook and or Twitter and or Instagram, whichever of those platforms you guys are on most often. If you would share this episode on it, I'd be very appreciative. And with that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.